Chapter Four of Russian Fairy Tales by William Ralston Shedden Ralston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kevin Davidson. Part Five. Perhaps the most remarkable among the stories of this class is the following, which comes from Little Russia. Those readers who are acquainted with the works of Gogol, the great Russian novelist, who was a native of that part of the country, will observe how closely he has kept to popular traditions in his thrilling story of the V, which has been translated into English from the French under the title of The King of the Gnomes. THE SOLDIER'S MIDNIGHT WATCH Once upon a time there was a soldier who served God and the great Gosudar for fifteen years, without ever setting eyes on his parents. At the end of that time there came an order from the Tsar to grant leave to the soldiers, to twenty-five of each company at a time, to go and see their families. Together with the rest our soldier, too, got leave to go, and set off to pay a visit to his home in the government of Kiev. After a time he reached Kiev, visited the Lavra, prayed to God, bowed down before the holy relics, and then started again for his birthplace, a provincial town not far off. Well, he walked and walked. Suddenly there happens to meet him a fair maiden who was the daughter of a merchant in that same town, a most remarkable beauty. Now everyone knows that if a soldier catches sight of a pretty girl, nothing will make him pass her by quietly, but he hooks on to her somehow or other. And so this soldier gets alongside the merchant's daughter, and he says to her jokingly, "'How now, fair damsel, not broken in to harness yet?' "'God knows, soldier, who breaks in whom,' replies the girl. "'I may do it to you, or you to me.' So saying, she laughed and went her way. Well, the soldier arrived at home, greeted his family, and rejoiced greatly at finding they were all in good health. Now he had an old grandfather, as white as a loon, who had lived a hundred years and a bit. The soldier was gossiping with him, and said, "'As I was coming home, grandfather, I happened to meet an uncommonly fine girl, and sinner that I am, I chafed her, and she said to me, "'God knows, soldier, whether you'll break me into harness, or I'll break you.' "'Eh, hey, sir, what have you done?' "'Why, that's the daughter of our merchant here, an awful witch. "'She sent more than one fine young fellow out of the white world.' "'Well, well, I'm not one of the timid ones, either. "'You won't frighten me in a hurry. "'We'll wait and see what God will send.' "'No, no, grandson,' says the grandfather. "'If you don't listen to me, you won't be alive to-morrow.' "'Here's a nice fix,' says the soldier.' "'Yes, yeah, such a fix that you've never known anything half so awful, even when soldiering.' "'What must I do, then, grandfather?' "'Why, this. Provide yourself with a bridle, and take a thick aspen cudgel, and sit quietly in the izba. Don't stir a step anywhere. During the night she will come running in, and if she manages to say before you can, "'Stand still, my steed!' You will straightway turn into a horse, and she will jump upon your back, and will make you gallop about until she has ridden you to death. But if you manage to say before she speaks, Prue, stand still, Jade, she will be turned into a mare, 
Then you must bridle her and jump on her back. She will run away with you over hill and dale. But do you hold your own, hit her over the head with the aspen cudgel, and go on hitting her until you beat her to death. The soldier hadn't expected such a job as this, but there was no help for it, so he followed his grandfather's advice, provided himself with a bridle and an aspen cudgel, took his seed in a corner, and waited to see what would happen. At the midnight hour the passage door creaked and the sounds of steps was heard. The witch was coming. The moment the door of the room opened, the soldier immediately cried out, Prue, stand still, Jade! The witch turned into a mare, and he bridled her, led her into the yard, and jumped on her back. The mare carried him over hills and dales and ravines, and did all she could to try to throw her rider. But no, the soldier stuck on tight, and thumped her over the head like anything with the aspen cudgel, and went on treating her with a taste of the cudgel until he knocked her off her feet, and then pitched into her as she lay on the ground, gave her another half-dozen blows or so, and at last beat her to death. By daybreak he got home. "'Well, my friend, how have you got on?' asked his grandfather. "'Glory be to God, grandfather. I've beaten her to death.' "'All right. Now lie down and go to sleep.' The soldier lay down and fell into a deep slumber. Toward evening the old man woke him. "'Get up, grandson.' He got up. "'What's to be done now?' As the merchant's daughter is dead, you see, her father will come after you and will bid you to his house to read psalms over the dead body. Well, grandfather, am I to go or not? If you go, there'll be an end of you, and if you don't, there'll be an end of you. Still, it's best to go. But if anything happens, how shall I get out of it? Listen, grandson, when you go to the merchant's, he will offer you brandy. Don't you drink much. Drink only a moderate allowance. Afterwards the merchant will take you into the room in which his daughter is lying in her coffin, and will lock you in there. You will read out from the psalter all the evening, and up till midnight. Exactly at midnight a strong wind will suddenly blow. The coffin will begin to shake. Its lid will fall off. Well, as soon as these horrors begin— Jump onto the stove as quick as you can, and squeeze yourself into a corner, and silently offer up prayers. She won't find you there. Half an hour later came the merchant, and besought the soldier, crying, Ah, soldier, there is a daughter of mine dead. Come and read the psalter over her. The soldier took a psalter, and went off to the merchant's house. The merchant was greatly pleased, seated him at his table, and began offering him brandy to drink. The soldier drank, but only moderately, and declined to drink any more. The merchant took him by the hand and led him to the room in which the corpse lay. Now then, he says, read away at your psalter. Then he went out and locked the door. There was no help for it. So the soldier took his psalter and read and read. Exactly at midnight there was a great blast of wind. The coffin began to rock. Its lid flew off. The soldier jumped quickly on the stove, hid himself in a corner, guarded himself by a sign of the cross, and began whispering prayers. Meanwhile the witch had leapt out of the coffin, and was rushing about from side to side, now here, now there. Then there came running up to her countless swarms of evil spirits. The room was full of them. "'What are you looking for?' they say. "'A soldier. He was reading here a moment ago, and now he's vanished.' The devils eagerly set to work hunting him up. 
They searched and searched, they rummaged in all the corners. At last they cast their eyes on the stove, and at that moment, luckily for the soldier, the cocks began to crow. In the twinkling of an eye all the devils had vanished, and the witch lay all of a heap on the floor. The soldier got down from the stove, laid her body in the coffin, covered it up all right with the lid, and betook himself again to his psalter. At daybreak came the master of the house, opened the door, and said, "'Hail, soldier! I wish you a good health, master merchant. Have you spent the night comfortably? Glory be to God, yes. There are fifty roubles for you, but come again, friend, and read another night.' "'Very good, I'll come.' The soldier returned home, lay down on the bench, and slept till evening. Then he awoke and said, "'Grandfather, the merchant bid me go and read the Psalter another night. Shall I go or not?' "'If you go, you won't remain alive. And if you don't go, just the same. But you better go. Don't drink too much brandy. Drink just what is right. And when the wind blows and the coffin begins to rock, slip straight into the stove. There no one will find you.' The soldier got ready, and went to the merchant's house, who seated him at table, and began plying him with brandy. Afterwards he took him to where the corpse was, and locked him into the room. The soldier went on reading, reading. Midnight came, the wind blew, the coffin began to rock, the coffin lid fell afar off on the floor. He was into the stove in a moment. Out jumped the witch, and began rushing about, round her swarm devils. The room was full of them. "'What are you looking for?' they cried. "'Why, there he was, reading a moment ago, and now he's vanished out of sight. I can't find him.' The devils flung themselves on the stove. "'Here's the place,' they cried, "'where he was last night.' There was the place, but he wasn't there. This way and that they rushed. Suddenly the cocks began to crow, the devils vanished, the witch lay stretched on the floor. The soldier stayed a while to recover his breath, crept out of the stove, put the merchant's daughter back in her coffin, and took to reading the psalter again. Presently he looks round. The day has already dawned. His host arrives. "'Hail, soldier,' says he. "'I wish you good health, master merchant, as the night passed comfortably. Glory be to God, yes. Come along here, then.' The merchant led him out of the room, gave him a hundred roubles, and said, "'Come, please, and read here a third night. I shan't treat you badly.' "'Good, I'll come.' The soldier returned home. "'Well, grandson, what has God sent you?' said his grandfather. "'Nothing much, grandfather. The merchant has told me to come again. Shall I go or not?' "'If you go, you won't remain alive, and if you don't go, you won't remain alive, but you better go. But if anything happens, where must I hide?' "'I tell you, grandson, buy yourself a frying-pan, and hide it so that the merchants shan't see it. When you go to his house, he'll try to force a lot of brandy on you. You look out. Don't drink much. Drink just what you can stand.' At midnight, as soon as the wind begins to roar, the coffin to rock, do you at that very moment climb on to the stove-pipe and cover yourself over with the frying-pan. There no one will find you out. The soldier had a good sleep, bought himself a frying-pan, hid it under his cloak, and towards evening went to the merchant's house. The merchant seated him at table and took to plying him with liquor, tried every possible kind of invitation and cajolery on him. "'No,' said the soldier, "'that will do. I've had my whack. I won't have any more.' "'Well, then, if you won't drink, come along and read your psalter.' The merchant took him to his dead daughter, left him alone with her, and locked the door. The soldier read and read. Midnight came, the wind blew, the coffin began to rock, the cover flew afar off. The soldier jumped up on the stove-pipe, covered himself with the frying-pan, 
protected himself with a sign of the cross, and awaited what was going to happen. Out jumped the witch and began rushing about. Round her came swarming countless devils. The Isba was full of them. They rushed about in search of the soldier. They looked into the stove. "'Here's the place,' they cried, "'where he was last night. "'There's the place, but he's not there.' This way and that they rush, cannot see him anywhere. Presently there stepped across the threshold a very old devil. "'What are you looking for?' "'The soldier. He was reading here a moment ago, now he's disappeared.' "'Ah, no eyes. And who's that sitting on the stovepipe there?' The soldier's heart thumped like anything. He all but tumbled down on the ground. "'There he is, sure enough,' cried the devils. "'But how are we to settle him? Surely it's impossible to reach him there.' "'Impossible, forsooth. Run and lay your hands on a candle-end, which has been lighted without a blessing, having been uttered over it.' In an instant the devils brought the candle-end, piled up a lot of wood right under the stove-pipe, and set it alight. The flame leapt high into the air. The soldier began to roast first one foot, then the other. He drew up under him. "'Now,' thinks he, "'my death has come.' All of a sudden, Luckily for him, the cocks began to crow, the devils vanished, the witch fell flat on the floor, the soldier jumped down from the stove-pipe and began putting out the fire. When he had put it out, he set everything to rights, placed the merchant's daughter in her coffin, covered it up with the lid, and betook himself to reading the psalter. At daybreak came the merchant, and listened at the door to find out whether the soldier was alive or not. When he heard his voice, he opened the door and said, "'Hail, soldier. I wish you good health, Master Merchant.' Have you passed the night comfortably? Glory be to God, I've seen nothing bad. The merchant gave him a hundred and fifty roubles, and said, You've done a deal of work, soldier. Do a little more. Come here to-night, and carry my daughter to the graveyard. Good, I'll come. Well, friend, what has God given? Glory be to God, grandfather. I've got off safe. The merchant has asked me to be at his house to-night to carry his daughter to the graveyard. Should I go or not? If you go, you won't be alive, and if you don't go, you won't be alive. So you must go. It will be better so. But what must I do? Tell me. Well, this. When you get to the merchants, everything will be ready there. At ten o'clock, the relations of the deceased will begin taking leave of her, and afterwards they will fasten three iron hoops around the coffin, and place it on the funeral car, and at eleven o'clock they will tell you to take it to the graveyard. Do you drive off with the coffin, but keep a sharp lookout. One of the hoops will snap. Never fear. Keep your seat bravely. A second will snap. Keep your seat all the same. But when the third hoop snaps, instantly jump on the horse's back and through the duga, the wooden arch above its neck, and run away backwards. Do that, and no harm will come to you. The soldier lay down to sleep, slept till the evening, and then went to the merchant's. At ten o'clock the relations began taking leave of the deceased. Then they set to work to fasten iron hoops around the coffin. They fastened the hoops, set the coffin on the funeral car, and cried, "'Now then, soldier, drive off, and God speed you.' The soldier got into the car and set off. At first he drove slowly, but as soon as he was out of sight he let the horse go full split. Away he galloped, but all the while he kept an eye on the coffin. Snap! went one hoop, and then another. The witch began gnashing her teeth. "'Stop!' she cried. "'You shan't escape. I shall eat you up in another moment.' "'No, Dovey. Soldiers are crown property. No one is allowed to eat them.' 
Here the last hoop snapped. On the horse jumped the soldier, and threw the duga, and then set off running backwards. The witch leapt out of the coffin and tore away in pursuit. Lighting on the soldier's footsteps, she followed them back to the horse, ran right around it, saw the soldier wasn't there, and set off again in pursuit of him. She ran and ran, lighted again on his footsteps, and again came back to the horse. Utterly at her wit's end, she did the same thing ten times over. Suddenly the cocks began crowing. There lay the witch stretched out flat on the road. The soldier picked her up, put her in the coffin, slammed the lid down, and drove her to the graveyard. When he got there, he lowered the coffin into the grave, shoveled the earth on top of it, and returned to the merchant's house. "'I've done it all,' says he. "'Catch hold of your horse.' When the merchant saw the soldier, he stared at him with wide-open eyes. "'Well, soldier,' said he, "'I know a good deal. And as to my daughter, we needn't speak of her. She was awfully sharp, she was, but really, you know more than we do.' "'Come now, Master Merchant, pay me for my work.' So the merchant handed him over two hundred roubles. The soldier took them, thanked him, and then went home and gave his family a feast. End of Part 5 Recording by Kevin Davidson www.blogordie.com